Welcome to the Beers and Miles podcast. We talk about beers, miles, and whatever else you can manage to jump off topic with. My name is Chris, and I'm coming to you live from a very warm Columbus, Ohio. We got a heat wave coming in here, and I guess that's your reminder to um, maybe drink more water. Happy Nicole? Here, I actually gave you the uh, the whole water drinking spiel. Yeah, drink some water. It's going to be freaking hot out here. Um, as always, if you like the podcast, be sure to subscribe where you get your podcasts and give us a nice rating. I know Apple Podcasts and Spotify do ratings now, so uh, give us a nice little five-star review there. Oh, and share it on your story and tag at Beers and Miles, too. Would love to reshare it. Um, definitely love hearing back from listeners. A uh, quick shout-out to Austin, I believe it was, that I got to meet in person at D3Nats a couple weeks ago. That was pretty awesome, and I love hearing uh, other people enjoy the podcast. Um, anyways... We're excited to welcome two of our favorite guests back on the podcast, Zach Ranillis and Alex Burks. If you haven't had the opportunity to get to know these fine gentlemen, give the Elite Files podcast episodes a listen. Uh, I think uh, Zach's was in 2020. He had a two-parter there. And then Burks just happened earlier this year. Uh, Both episodes were fantastic. Had a lot of fun on them. And uh, yeah, Zach came back actually ahead of the 2021 Boston Marathon and gave us some great tips on how to be able to take a... Have your best day at Boston. Um, I'm here just going to be uh, keeping it kind of light uh, because I uh, had a pretty rough weekend. So I opened up a beer here. Um, and yeah, so that's, uh, let's figure it out. And I think we're good. Cool. Uh, so we're going to start the podcast like we usually do. Open up a beer. I am opening up Rothaus Pills. Uh, Ten and Zappel. It's fantastic. Uh Pilsner that you can find pretty much anywhere on your shelves. Uh, yeah, it's probably one of my favorite beers that I drink uh, as often as I can. Um, so we're keeping it light because we're going to, yeah, we had a rough weekend. Um, <laughs> so uh, I've brought two of uh, two of the Beers of Miles podcast's favorite guests on. We got Zach and we have uh, Burks as well. Uh, we have a pretty important race coming up this weekend and the roads to both have been very different in terms of how they have led to their training going to the race but also at the same time they've also coincided at certain points so we would have chat about that as well so um i guess first things first i will start with uh the person we haven't had on in a bit so zach how has training gone yours is a little bit different than most people i don't think many people that you're standing on the start line with um did the kind of races that you did in the in the winter yeah, um, it's kind of just been one really long cycle with uh, short breaks. I did some indoor track racing in January and February, took down my PRs at the mile and 3K. I had hoped to do a 5K in there, but um, the meet I wanted to do it at at Grand Valley uh, was on a school day, so I couldn't do it. Um, and then the next meet I had set up, I got the stomach flu. So <laughs> then I shifted to uh, marath- half marathon training. Ran pretty well at New York City half and then shifted to marathon training. So just went from one mile to 26.2. And how was that for you? I mean, when's the last time that you ran, uh, I guess, a mile indoor race? Or, or, I mean, yeah, mile indoor race, 3K indoor race, like hitting any of those? I think the last time I ran a mile indoor race was my senior year of high school. <laughs> I didn't run a single actual mile in all of college so there i don't believe there is a tfers for a mile for me until i ran the michigan invite this year um and then 3k my last one had been 
my last actual race of a 3K was 2013. Um, I've done like a time trial for fun since then, but yeah, that was my first time racing one in nine years. There we go. Uh, so as even a marathoner, um, I mean, running short races like that, what is um the thing for a lot of people they when they jump into marathon training you don't really see anybody jumping anything on under 5k so how are you able to also adjust to i guess doing your block as well as adding some extra stuff to make sure that you're getting enough volume um one of the things that i've always found out has just works for me is i like to keep it varied in my my racing schedule um I like to make sure that I'm not just training for a marathon all year. All good. I like to, one of the reasons I chose the mile and the 3K and the half and usually do a 50 mile sometime in the year or a 50K is just, it keeps me from getting bored of doing the same distance over and over. I know there was a number of years where I just kept chasing the marathon and just running two to three marathons a year. And it, it just, for me, gets pretty boring doing the same kind of long runs and long run workouts. I like to work on my mile speed and focus on a mile and not think about the marathon after. So I, I think for me, I don't know if it works for everybody, but for me, it's because I just don't like training like a marathoner all year. And talk about a little bit of, uh, I guess, the supplemental stuff that you do post races, because that's... Uh... Usually you just see somebody to race out, but then it looks like you've adopted a lot of the things that we saw kind of in the, uh, was it like early 2010s with like the, um, hate to say them, but Nike Oregon Project stuff. So um, has that been something that you've done in the past or something that you just are recently adding into your schedule too? Yeah, anytime I've done, like it's pretty common, I guess, anytime I'm doing something less than a half marathon, um, I generally do some kind of workout after it over the last few years, even if it's just a local 5k that I want to do as part of a workout. Um, even if I run pretty fast in the low 14s, I still go out and do a tempo, maybe at marathon pace after, um, just as a way to get more of a workout in, because, you know, if you're racing a mile, you have, you do your little recovery mile after, but you're, you're not totally spent, or at least, I mean, I'm not running sub four, so I'm not totally spent. I have more gas. So this past winter when I did uh, my indoor races and you were there for one of them, we uh, drove down or ran down to the track and did some reps at half marathon pace after and it felt pretty good uh, after the first one. That was a bit of a shock and then you kind of feel comfortable uh, compared to what you were doing on the track uh, indoors just before. I think it was like what, like 12 degrees when we ran down to the track after the 3k and then hit some reps at our goal half pace and it was really nice workout. Um, so just kind of maximizing the, the opportunities when you have those days where a race is really short. I got to say that I was absolutely terrified to jump into that workout post a 3K just because I was like, uh, I've never really done anything like that. But then when you realize you jump into that first rep and you're just like, wait, um, yeah, it's not as hard as running going out in 440. It feels a little bit more like a tempo, even if it's a little bit faster than, than I'm used to. I'd say even some of the workouts you added afterward actually were a little bit harder than the actual race too. So, <laughs> and so um, for Burks, how was your training? Um, I guess some of the lead up races that you did and even some of the, um, I guess some of the strategies that you had coming into uh, Grandma's this weekend. So 
So it's actually kind of funny, <clears throat> even though I didn't do any racing from like January until mid-March, I was actually still kind of doing some of the similar types of like shorter distance training that, uh, that Zach was doing. So more uh, workouts focusing on like, uh, I guess stuff that would equivalent to mile training to like 10K training, um, just to kind of keep that in check and uh, sort of try and make those slower marathon, half marathon paces feel, uh, you know, easier. Because I think that when I had done my build up for CIM, it was almost entirely like marathon, half marathon work. And so we wanted to get a little bit of that faster stuff back in there. And how was adjusting to running up at altitude? Because that's uh, this is your first training yeah, block so that you've had up at altitude. Uh, so my I had the CIM training block uh, at altitude. So this one actually was a little bit uh, more comfortable. I kind of knew what I was doing more. I was I would even say I was more acclimated. And uh, you know, at least until the very very end of the cycle, the weather for it was pretty nice. Because you know, everyone everyone likes to say that. You know, hum- humidity is the poor man's altitude. But during the summer at altitude, <laughs> you get uh, you get dried out about twice as quickly. You get dehydrated about twice as quickly as you do at sea level, even if it's humid. Uh, trust me, I've done. I've spent a whole summer in upstate New York in the the muggy 80s to 90s, and I've spent now a, a, a decent amount of time up here. And I can tell you, it's a it's still a lot harder running up here during the summer. So, uh, but over overall, it's gone really really well. Um, I feel like I've been recovering really, really well, putting in some really great workouts. Uh, and just overall, I'm really excited for this race coming up. So you guys also kind of, a lot of the training went in different places, but you guys coincided at one point, and that was a speed project. Um, if you guys have not seen Burks' recap on the speed project, it is available on Reddit. I will put it in the show notes. It is fantastic, and it is a, uh, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a roller coaster. Uh, so uh, let's chat for both of you guys. How did you guys find out about the speed project? Uh, how were you guys invited over to do the speed project? Uh, let's start off with that. Yeah, so I guess I can talk a bit about that because if Zach were to talk about it, he would just say that I was the one who invited him, which is true. Uh, I, I was invited by my good friend, David Kilgore, who just got engaged today. Uh, shout out to Kilgore. I know I've already sent him a text congratulating him, but you know, huge, huge for him. Uh, but yeah, he sent me a message basically saying, yo dude, want to do the speed project? And I was like, yeah, sounds good. And he said, cool. If you know anyone else who's, you know, fast, we need like two more men and two more women to do it. And I was like, doesn't, isn't the team like six people? So that means, yeah, I only, only found two, two so far. So, uh, but it was crazy because I told, uh, I told Zach basically the same thing. Like, yeah, David's putting together a team for the speed project. And then all of a sudden, like two weeks later, we both get these emails saying like, on running is gonna like pay for the whole thing and like fly us out and do all this crazy stuff uh and so that yeah that was like just such a ride but i i when david said that he needed people to be on the team you know i thought well you know who who better than zach he's got like the entire skill set needed for this yeah i was pretty pumped to get uh the invite because it was something i had never done uh, relay thing like that before, but 
it was something I was always curious about, and obviously with, like the Tracksmith photos, I did such a great job in like the previous years, um, making it look like something I was pretty interested in, uh, specifically people running fast. Um, I'm like all different strokes for different folks, but I'm not much of a run on a really gnarly trail in the middle of the night um, at an easy pace through like wading through rivers type of person. So some of those like Ragnar things, it's, it's not, not my cup of tea. I always was interested in the speed project because like similar to Hood to Coast, you're just, you're ripping as fast as you can go. It's a competition up front, um, but also against yourselves because it's just, I mean, it's uh, such a long race. I've, I think I broke my record for the longest amount of time awake. At the very least, I like tied with like the, the day that we gave birth to our child. It was, it was somewhere along those lines and it was, it was really, really hard, um, mentally, um, way harder than I think I expected and I expected it to be really really hard um and somewhere like 15 hours in I was like oh my god this is so difficult and then we still had a whole night to run through um but I accepted the invite pretty quickly and kind of like in the back of my mind didn't know if it was going to work out because I teach at a public school now and it's pretty hard to take days off uh at least this past year with the pandemic we always had so many teachers out that like one extra teacher being gone could be the difference between school being open or being virtual um, for the day. And, and it had happened at schools in our district multiple times that like just one extra teacher went beyond where they had the threshold for subs and the whole school went online, which, you know, kind of ruins everybody's learning. Um, so when I accept, I accepted before I thought I'd actually be able to do it. And I kind of just like told David like, yeah, I'm going to talk to my, uh, my principal and, I should be able to make this work, but I knew it was one, like, I had to take a day off before spring break, which is kind of frowned upon, and in our contract, something says, like, don't take days off before break, so we're, like, you will be kind of, like, financially punished, so I think I was, um, oh, well, <laughs> a couple hundred dollars or something, um, and uh, just kind of hopped on for the ride. Yeah, it's funny. I, I also work at a public school, but mine actually lined up with my... Uh spring break where I only had to take like the day after off and thankfully my administrators were super cool with it so shout out to them for for being good understanding people so as far as prep for it so uh two questions there uh what was the prep on the management side uh and then what was your prep going into it um I mean you guys have your blocks that you guys are worrying about for for grandma's but also, was there anything different that you did to be ready to run this race? Um, also, let's, let's kind of circle back real quick. Uh, for people that don't know what the Speed Project is, uh, can you uh, tell the tell the folks? Yeah, so Speed Project is a, like, basically point-to-point relay race where there is no set course, just, like, a singular rule that is don't run on a major highway like basically like don't don't do blatantly illegal things but other than that get there get from uh you know los angeles to las vegas specifically the santa monica pier to the welcome to las vegas sign as fast as you can entirely on foot uh and you know one person has to be running at all time you pass off with a high five um and that's really about it. And so, you know, a lot of the logistics 
thankfully happened with, um, you know, the, the team and our support crews, we had like drivers and photographer and all sorts of things. But I, I, I was, uh, I did do a bit of the, um, organizing, like when the legs were going to happen and how we were going to split it up and all of that. Um, but as far as like actual, actual training goes for it, I kind of just continued doing my normal training and mentally prepared myself for having to be awake for many hours. I, um, ran with you, Chris, the <laughs> New York city half marathon, less than six days before the official start of the race. And I believe I told my coach that I was running the speed project the day after New York city, when my log had planned like three days off and then some like 30 minute jogs for the rest of the week. And I said, Hey, was invited by Kilgore to do the speed project. We're just going to have fun out there. That's all I said. I didn't say, hey, I'm going to run a lot of sub six miles. Um, but, but don't worry about it. It's just like a recovery week from uh, a half marathon. So I ran one time um, between the half marathon and the speed project. Like I mean, the New York City half is the hardest half I've ever done. Uh, into a headwind the whole time. Seems like the whole thing was uphill. Um, it was never flat for like a single time, you start by going up a hill, um, you go uphill to the finish line. Um, and then I got home feeling pretty wrecked from that. Thankfully with starting spring break, um, or no, no, I taught, went straight into teaching, uh, the Monday after running that race, I ran once on Wednesday for 20 minutes with Meg. Um, we ran like eight minute pace and it felt really bad. Um, it was my first time putting on a pair of on shoes and then after I was like, yeah, I don't have time to run on Thursday because I needed to fly. Um, I got there not that many hours before our race started uh, when I landed in California and got to the actual Airbnb. And I was just kind of like throwing a Hail Mary, just kind of like, I hope this works out. Um, but I've done enough races, ultra races, uh, probably 10 or more at, at this point um, that I kind of knew what like my body would handle it. It would just get used to it out there. I had a lot of hours to warm up during the race. So everybody's now together as, as far as the team breakdown goes, uh, besides you two and even finger out, I thought Kilgore was actually going to be part of the relay, but it looks like he did the solo. Uh, did you guys know anybody else that was on a team? And, uh, even I guess the hours beforehand, like what was kind of leading up into the, the next day? So Zach really did show up like an hour before we all went to sleep at like our Airbnb. Like he really did come in at the last, last minute. So I can definitely speak a little bit to like what it was like getting to meet everyone before that, because none of us had actually ever met each other in person before. Zach and I had obviously like talked, but it had only been ever over running message boards. So it felt like we already knew each other, but it was actually our first time meeting each other in person in that Airbnb that night. Um, so yeah, when we first arrived to LA, we basically just had, you know, we, we did a little like shakeout run together, spent some time at the, uh, at the, the Airbnb they had rented for us. Before Zach got there, we had talked a little bit about like our like what we felt our strengths and weaknesses were, like what we were, you know, afraid about with the race, what we would need to be told if we were like in a rough patch or something like that, because it was expected that everyone was gonna be in a rough patch at some point. Um, but 
yeah, it was just it was just kind of basic getting to know each other, vibing with each other. I mean, it it really worked out better than anyone could have imagined that like no one on the team kind of like didn't fit in or like brought uh, negative energy or anything like that. Like everyone worked really well together. There were no big disagreements and everyone just kind of fed off of each other's energy while we were out there running. And you, Zach, you, I guess you get in an hour before everybody goes to bed. So it's basically like, all right, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I kind of got there. I was like, hey, guys, I'm Zach. I did make it. I was pretty nervous. I mean, if my flight had been canceled, they just would have lost a teammate from the very start. Um, it's kind of living on a prayer there. But um, like I said, I knew we were going to be together a lot during the race. So I just figured I'd... Uh, figured I'd kind of get to know everybody <laughs> during the race and yeah and, and how, weird many, like how, that. how many hours after you got to the house did you wake up and then start the race <laughs> we woke up at two right is yeah, that like when two, uh, like two thirty? yeah yeah I got into the Airbnb at 9 p.m like to like a household like the ladies were kind of antsy when I got there because they were already wanting to be asleep and there was still a lot of noise and like clothes everywhere and i was just kind of like are these clothes all for us like am i allowed to take an extra shirt and they're like yeah man and now i'm like crap (laughs) there's a couple of shirts i really like that i only took one of that there were like three of them now thinking like i really wish i was trying to be polite but could have taken a lot more stuff um but yeah i was woke up at 2 a.m and was like i don't know any of these people beyond alex and just like i didn't know anyone's names like i had to keep it like keep trying to remember who was who um, support wise. I knew the names of the people on our team because I followed them all on uh, social media. And the yeah, you, had, you asked me like two or three times during like, you're like what's that driver's name again? Like, yeah. I didn't get to like bond with them. didn't get to bond with them at all. Like it'd be in passing. I'd be like getting into the RV and no one would introduce themselves. So I'd just be in there like, who am I with? Like, I don't like who am I with right now? I think they introduced their names once to me the night before at nine 30 when I was very tired from a, five and a half hour flight and 60 minute uber ride so um i was a little out of it but it worked out sure uh so you guys kick off at 2 30 yeah the race so the race started at 4 a.m and so we had to get there like from the airbnb to the start because we're not like right at the start line so yeah, we had to get up at like 2.30 a.m., load everything onto the RV, the sprinter van, and the like 4x4. So like there, a lot of it was loaded the night before, but we needed to make sure that like we had everything. And then we had to drive, you know, 30-something minutes to the start line, and I had to, you know, be ready to run at 4 a.m. That's when the race let off. Everyone needed to be in place. It needed to be, you know, ready for action right in that moment. So who kicks off the, uh, who kicked, you kicked it off, right? Like, how was the, how was the scene, I guess, starting off the race, especially with something like this, that, like, that got so early? Yeah. I started, oh yeah, I, I started, I had, I took the first leg, because there were, there were, like, a couple of, like, weird turns and stuff, and David had technically, like, assigned me team captain, and so I just wanted to be like, all right, I'm gonna run 
this first leg like with my phone in my hand playing out the route because like I don't like we could we could mess up already in like the very first leg and I just wanted to make sure that we started on a positive note of like okay we can do this nothing will go wrong of course like later in the race I did take like a small turn, a wrong turn. I think Zach also took a small wrong turn. So you're actually talking to the two people who I think made the only incorrect turns of the entire race right now. So really did a good job. Our two wrong turns combined are like less than a mile. Yeah, it was, it was not, it was almost nothing. But when I took a wrong turn, I then started running five minute pace. Yeah. Uh, I think I ran about a five minute mile. (laughs) <laughs> to get back on because I was freaking out because it was my first leg. Um, yeah. Like I went over an overpass instead of under it. Freaked out that I had ruined our record, which is silly. Like it was two hours into the race. Worried that I ruined our whole record and just started hammering. Sheesh. Yeah, I remember following, like a bunch of us were following you guys on a, a like Strava updates and we just see Zach say that he got lost. It was like, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Yeah, the the first the first like couple of legs were where the most room for error was, and then like after that, it's such a straight shot. I mean, pow- power line looked pretty sketchy, but I was actually looking at some of the maps afterwards, and they're really like most of the roads connected back together, even if we like diverged a bit. So like there wasn't much we could have done. So there's a lot that went on throughout these. Uh... This 29 hours that you guys did. Uh, so there's a couple things that I really want to focus on and get your guys' uh, uh, get your guys' input on. And one is how was the uh, what was the reasoning behind the breakdown of your guys' specific legs? Like, did you guys want to go longer early? And then yeah, I just started seeing it go from like six miles at a time to you guys running like a quarter mile at a time. So kind of describe that for uh, for everyone. So yeah, so like in starting in LA, like I said, there's more room for error with all the turns and whatnot. And also it is like we're literally running through Los Angeles. So like even though it's 4 a.m., eventually it starts to get to the point where, you know, like people are heading out to work. It's a Friday morning. So we didn't want to have to have lots of like times where the car needed to stop and switch people out early on. And plus it's earlier in the day. It's not as hot yet. You know, it was, I think it was like in the high fifties when we started, of course, by the time we made it into the desert, there was a point where it hit like 93 or so, but yeah, early on in the day, you can do longer legs. You want to take it a little slower to get the body warmed up. And then once we're out there in the hot sun in the desert, you know, then you don't want to have as much time out there in the sun, in the heat. Uh, you want to be able to break that up a bit more. I just kind of requested to not have any legs with confusing directions because I get lost pretty easily. And I don't like focusing when I'm running on, oh, I need this turn and this amount of miles. So I was, I took some pretty difficult early stretches like my six mile leg had a lot of climbing and then a six mile leg that was supposed to be six miles ended up being I think 8.4 something that like it was pretty hot at that time there had been some really big hills that I was I was like kind of (laughs) angry like really early I was like oh okay um and then at night it was pretty much just whatever we could do Um, the night was just survival from from point to point um and and just trying not to let each other down really 
Yeah, when we kind of knew that heading in, that 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 was like kind of, the plan from the start was kind of like the night stretch is just whatever, and we started to develop a system where basically the plan was you make it a mile, and then after a mile, if you felt okay, you give like a thumbs up, and if you need someone to swap out, you give like a thumbs down, or like you wave the car to go ahead of you to drop the runner off or whatever, and. Uh, I mean, yeah, there were there there were some points during the night where someone would have to tap out after a K or so because they just hit a 200 foot climb on sand and rocks and washboarded roads and oh god, just making just just thinking about it. It's it, grandma's is gonna be so easy compared to that. It's like it's not even gonna be hard. So you guys experienced a place that I've been to and uh and as, as I guess a, a a growing boy and that was a. Uh, a beautiful, beautiful oasis named uh, Adelanto, California. Uh, <laughs> I was running through that city. <laughs> I was I was sending you pictures as uh, on the Discord as we were there, and it was like, this is like, where are we? Um, I think I kept saying this country is too big. <laughs> like, yeah, we were running through, like, there were entire entire portions of the desert as big or bigger than like a lot of us cities that all they were were bags of trash and children's toys yeah like as far as you could see this dirt road where there were like no homes on you could see homes off to the distance in like some kind in like the little town but this just road that can't see much traffic just so much not just like trash like food there there was very little to none of that just like abandoned children's toys mostly yeah, which it was uh, it was some, one of the more frightening things i've ever seen in my life <laughs> i think every like every moment i was on those like back desert roads or passing through like those like tiny tiny towns i'm just like wow like like breaking bad is real like breaking bad has has happened in like in this town like that entire story has played itself out several times in this exact town for sure I mean, we we came when we were out scouting. Uh, you weren't there when we when we were scouting, Zach. But like, there there was a slightly different route we were supposed to take that like saved maybe a half mile. But it was like not only sketchy directions wise, but like we passed by what looked like a very very mobile, ready to move marijuana growing setup. Like it like like it was very. <laughs> It was, the the legality of it was very questionable. <laughs> yeah, look, we were in a bit of a forgotten America <laughs> for for yeah. good force. When you say things like that, it reminds me of that uh that Netflix documentary about like Humboldt County and then the growing operations there. And I'm like, yeah, you guys would have been in very big danger. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it's a wild wild place. And, and then, and then too, like when you're out just in the middle of the desert on this like endless sandy mountain road through the night and you have all of these, like, um, I think, I think they were, um, oh, what's the name of them? The, like the, 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 the desert trees that like live forever, um, Joshua trees, you have all these Joshua trees around you. And they start looking like people during the night. They like they start looking like people and animals when you know you're like at almost hallucinogenic levels of lack of sleep and running fatigue. Uh, so that 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 only added to it too. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I was scared for pretty much the whole night because I knew if we saw if we saw somebody, we're so isolated. It's like if we see somebody, it's someone burying a body. Like <laughs> I all I could think is like was like, I hope I'm in the car if we encounter a person. Didn't the race directors run out at you at one point? Like, yeah, like while I, we were out on the random dirt roads. I think it like that was like two, two or two thirty in the morning, as we're heading into the trail section is split into or the trail the the power line road section is, is split into two close to fifty mile sections. And your only respite is like this one dirt road you cross where they have like a kind of checkpoint set up, and we had past ultra like not too long before that like i want to say 30 or 40 minutes before that we had passed ultra um and we knew that like we just had a hammer to put distance on them and i got the um i think this is yeah i was the leg to take us there well they went ahead and just kind of like checked in with people and um got all ready and as i'm running down this dark totally pitch black um finally like road we had been on this bumpy washboard of hell forever and i finally get on a dirt road descent and i'm going pretty fast at like 5 30 pace and i just see one little light in, in the desert to my right not on the path and not at the road ahead like i can see where i'm going up ahead where the rv is and it's just like moving fast i'm like oh god like this is like a cartel or something like this is someone running through the desert and I'm looking to the right, like there's like cacti and bushes. Like why is someone in the desert and moving fast towards me? And so I turn off my headlamp so I can be invisible and like start running the other way. And, uh, and two guys say, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm like, who are you? And they say, we're with the race. And it was like, oh man, like you can't just jump out. Like, why did you come from there? And apparently they hadn't realized we were going to be there that quick. So they like shortcut through the desert to get to me and they were trying to like interview me as I'm now my heart rate's like 190 beats per minute from fear and then I'm not even mildly like I'm annoyed I'm like don't do that and also like leave me alone I'm just trying to like get us to the next like I'm trying to hand off to the next checkpoint um and that that kind of acted like a little bit of a catharsis though because after that I was like that's silly to be afraid like it's been four or five hours and we haven't seen a soul like we just need to was it in that like kind of like black cadillac that they were driving in no, i don't even just, know what their vehicle was at out, that point yeah. <laughs> they were just like because <clears> i was following the entire time and they had this like this like jet like it looked like a stretch like a mini stretch limousine like black limousine and i was like if that car kept like if that car just started just flying toward me i'm like I, you're not supposed to be here and they're gonna be like you're not supposed to be here and then that's how one of those stories end up happening. And that's fucking terrifying. <laughs> so, the power line. Um, I've told this story before. Not on the podcast, but I told this story to somebody when we were doing our, uh, our uh, buck 50. And I ended up, the story ended up making them puke uh, because of just how, how exhausted they were. So, Burks, uh, tell us the story about the power line. So, so we knew nothing about Powerline heading in other than that David said, <clears throat> yeah, we, we knew basically nothing about Powerline Road heading in other than what David had told us, which is basically like, yeah, it's like a little bit sandy and like, you know, you need a, you need a, a four wheel drive vehicle to be able to make it through. It's but like, yeah, you know, you need, you need like, you, you need to be able to run like trails kind of but like it's still a, it's like a dirt road and it started like that at least for maybe the first 
10 miles or so. And then we just hit like straight up like beach level sand. And then it started undulating a ton and like both in terms of actual climbing, but also in terms of like the road was so washboarded. Like there were just these huge grooves that would just make the car go like wobble side to side. Like you're on one of those like 4D amusement park rides, except it's just shaking side to side constantly. And like this, the, the, the universal story that I think all of us use to describe just how bad the shaking was, was that we had a mountain bike strapped to the top of the car in case we needed someone to like follow a runner on a, on a bike. And the bike did not fall off of the rack. The bike rack ripped off of the top of the car. The bolts came off. And we had to pick up the bike still attached to the rack and throw it in the trunk of the car. And that was only two and a half hours into the power line segment, which I believe took us around nine and a half hours. So straight pitch black through the night, sand, washboardy road, um, and then the second part of it starts with a nice 25-mile, 4,000-foot climb. <laughs> and then descends down the most treacherous road I have ever been on, ever. Our driver, Charlie, did some stuff with a car I didn't know was possible to get us safely down that road. I mean, it was just like, oh, God. Yeah, after a whole night of becoming very progressively more nauseous in the car um and then and like some pretty serious uphills that were often on sand like i'm a pretty good climber i, I finished top 25 in the world mountain running championships before I, i'd like to say i can climb with most people there were some where i would jump into the car after after a mile and like i can't do anymore it's so it's so steep and it's so sandy so we've done all and we had just spent the whole day running as hard as we could like a lot of mid five minute miles on 120 degree blacktops um when we went through barstow and then we just finished with this descent that like is actually what i would call a mountain running descent like the the final section of miles i was doing that night were i was having to be killian journey going down like i was having to take really quick fast footsteps jumping over crevices and pretty big rocks and at that point it was just sam and i descending for like that last I guess 12 miles between us and I was really worried it's like if one of us breaks an ankle here it's really bad but also I mean we ran sub six pace down it because yeah. we were just I think we we're in that state of we've worked so hard <laughs> like we're gonna just press until we're done because we both we all knew like when we get back to the RV at the end of this like it's just running straight on a road until we finish so we just we I, I think that's one of the first times I've really have just like emptied a tank I was not super into the whole race in general for like the last couple of hours of it i was pretty i think you saw me i was like mad like with yeah no, with like it was, 24 yeah, miles yeah. to go was like you guys got me right like can you please just i didn't i didn't have the legs? energy to be mad i was just like i was just d depleted completely yeah. and utter completely and utterly because i was i was so nauseous i couldn't eat food my body was grasping for every single calorie that it could possibly get and at that point, Colton had run, like, over 50 miles and hadn't had a, like, actual break 
for what, probably like what 25 hours 26 <laughs> hours so like colton couldn't yeah colton couldn't hit that descent i couldn't hit that descent so it was really up to for you and sam to to do that and then for the the girls to really do a ton of the work uh bringing us home once we finally made it down that mountain pass oh. <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad they were ready for the task because i was i was yeah, like I, all right <laughs> like i've had enough of the speed project <laughs> I, uh, it'd be a hard I, race if you just had power line trail and you just had teams try and do power line <laughs> like yeah, actually, it could be really difficult in itself not with like a whole day before it so I don't think I've ever been out as cold as I was for the like hour and 20 minutes of sleep I had on that RV bed because that RV was like moving for most of that and I was motionless. I was in like the deepest, most comatose sleep I've ever been in my life. Like that was the most quality hour and 20 minutes of sleep I have ever had in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and then the IHOP pancakes and the, the Canadian bacon after I brought woke up brought me, brought me right back to life. <laughs> brought me right back to life. God. Yeah, that was... Didn't they think that you were, like, just completely out for, like, the rest like the rest of the, the race? Yeah, yeah, everyone at that point pretty much figured that I was just going to not come back from the race, but I wasn't about to let that happen. No. <laughs> For for both selfish and team related reasons, I was not about to <laughs> to let that happen. I, I I wanted to help finish up the race. I also knew that I, I knew that I still had like le- like stuff left to give in my legs because it was really just the fact that I was so nauseous on power line and couldn't get food down that I was like not able to run at that point. Like once I had calories in my system again and I was no longer nauseous, I split like a two twenty eight hundred. Like, it, like immediately after waking up and like probably 20 minutes after getting food back in my system. That, that must have been the quickest and like highest functioning my metabolism has ever been in my life. Like I felt like I was fully metabolizing food that I was eating in like probably like a half hour. <laughs> like it was, it was, cra- it was crazy. It was, it was literally like a furnace. Like you could put anything in and it would sit fine as long as I wasn't nauseous from the car. And it, my body would just burn it into ashes. I don't know if you experienced that too, Zach, but that was the way I felt for pretty much the whole... Like, that burrito, that burrito was, like, processed fully by my body into energy to run in, like, less than an hour. Yeah, I really wish I'd kept a calorie count, because um, I would have loved to know it. It would actually... Because I'm generally kind of bad at in-race nutrition. That's something I've been working on for years, but that particular 26 hour stretch, whatever, I consumed the most amount of calories I've ever consumed while exercising and never felt it. Like I didn't have a slosh of stomach once and I must've had at least two gallons of water, but probably a lot more. (laughs) It had to be like three to like three gallons of water. Every single leg I I did in the night, I drank a full water bottle every single leg. Like every 20 minutes I was drinking 16 ounces of water for an entire night. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no it was, it was it was crazy i i would also be interested in the calorie count though it's got to be like close to three thousand. like i had like, at, least at least eight martin gels when we were yeah. in the car <laughs> and that's just from that not the burritos and the martin like 320 yeah, i drank during the day calories, yeah 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 
the carb count would actually be really impressive. The amount I, of yeah, carbs. I ate, God, I I just ate anything. It was like, like we had like those popcorn chips, like just slices of bread, <laughs> whole whole packages of turkey cold cuts. Probably had like five bananas at least. But yeah, and then just endless water. Literally, like we, we didn't we go through like one of those like five gallon like water cooler things, and like we had to fill it back up again. And then we went through like several of those single like store bought gallons of water too. Oh yeah, and then in addition to like the Costco size water bottle like crate, we also drank just in our car yeah. during the nighttime. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was crazy. At what point did you guys figure out that you guys were winning? Or were you guys, do you guys, do you guys still think that they could come back? Or is it a certain point where we're like, we got this? So the, cr the crazy thing about the speed project is because there's no course, like people can do whatever they want. So there's no real way of knowing exactly what's going on. And the other thing too is that there's no like pre-race briefing about who is on what team. It's like you don't know if there's some secret team out there that just so happened to pull a bunch of like incredibly talented runners to go and blast the speed project wide open. So we had passed the winners from the previous speed project, uh, the, the Daddy Braddy Stallions. Um, and we had passed the ultra team, which we knew had a bunch of pro ultra runners on it. Um, that was going to be, you know, a challenging team to beat. Um, but the one team that we didn't know where they were was Bandit, which was a bit of a mystery. Like they, we knew they had some really fast runners on their team, but we had they had been they had taken a different route than us, Ultra and Daddy Braddy. So we didn't know anything. Uh, we didn't know anything about where they were, and basically. All we had to go off of was like little bits of like Instagram updates and whatnot. And one of them, they like geotagged like a certain place. And when we looked it up, they're like, oh, God. we're like, oh, God, they might be like coming in from a different direction. So <laughs> we were pretty sure that we had it in the bag within 30 minutes of reaching the sign. But it really wasn't definite until we actually hit that sign because there was still that one like inkling of doubt of like maybe they found some incredible route um but thankfully it ended up being that um you know the their their route was you know it, it was a, a potentially shorter and easier but i think that it ended up being a little bit more difficult uh to to pull off than they expected but yeah, it, was, it wasn't until we had the champagne bottle spraying on us that we realized that, uh, <laughs> that we had actually for certain won. We knew that we were going to be under the old record. We knew that within two hours of, uh, of, of getting to the, uh, to the finish. But we, weren't, we didn't know we won until we actually made it there. Yeah, even following along, I was like, I don't know where they're at. And then some of the, I mean, some of those teams had, I mean, like you said, professional runners on it. So it's just like, okay, this race isn't over. And it was just following along every hour on the hour to see where yeah. he's at. I think even them, I think they had trouble figuring out who was where. Because uh, I don't yeah, know even how they kept track of everybody. Tracking, tracking is done through a single team member's phone 
but the thing is that the phones aren't always where the runners are because that sometimes the, uh, the cars pull ahead sometimes they pull way ahead to get ready for like the next switch so there was never really a like absolutely certain way of knowing where everyone was going to be so yeah that was just another another layer of insanity to add to it so you guys did figure out that you guys were in the lead and uh it looked like a bunch of you guys somehow were able to have fresh legs after doing some of you guys did over 50 miles. Some of those yeah. legs afterward is a little insane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was just at that point um, adrenaline. I mean, the the our our two women on our team had done a ton of work right before we started the big power line stretch because they had kind of been vocal about not being as comfortable with the overnight legs and all that stuff. Um, so we let them, they, they actually got to like rest while we were, uh, while we were doing power lines. So we gave them a lot of work to do in that final stretch and they were absolutely killing it. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean like, you know, you got enough adrenaline in you. You haven't done a ton of running much faster than like, you know, 540 pace or whatever, 530 pace, which like is fast, of course. But for myself and Zach uh, and yeah, and Colton and Sam, it's all technically still slower than marathon pace. So it's not that difficult when you have lots of rest in between. So yeah, you just rip some some 220 to 235 800s, you know, why not? And as it went on and you guys start inching closer and closer, how was it to just know that, like, did you guys all finish together? What was the, as soon as you start seeing it within sight, like, how was the feeling within the team? Yeah, we ran, we ran the last 400 meters all together. Um, and yeah, just, you know, ran up to the sign again the champagne the photos all that it was actually funny because they they soaked us in champagne and then we remembered like oh wait everyone get together we need to because the the race actually technically isn't over until you take a photo of yourself in front of the sign and send it to the race director like the the photo is your finishing time so like the timestamp of the photo so i think we may have lost a minute there but you know when it when when your time is twenty nine hours twenty six minutes, you know what what's what's one minute one way or the other as long as we're under the record, which we were we were twenty five minutes under the record. Sheesh! And so uh, celebrations are celebrations are in order, of course. But uh, then, how long until the next team came through? Um, I think the ultra team showed up. They showed up less than an hour later. It was like forty five minutes later. Or so. So we were there when the ultra team showed up. Uh, I think we may have been there when Stallion showed up too, because there was there was like a bunch of interviews and media stuff and whatnot that we needed to do. Although we were all like, "All right, please, dear Lord, get us to the hotel so we can get food and then shower and nap before dinner." Because oh my goodness, did we need that? <laughs> like I. <laughs> I had never needed a shower and a nap so bad in my life, especially at that point, too, because now not only did I have, you know, about 30 hours of sweat, about 10 hours of dirt, a little bit of blood, uh, probably, yeah, and, and then and then also a, a now a fine coating of champagne. Uh, I just, I needed a, I needed a shower very badly. <laughs> Sheesh. Uh, wow. 
<laughs> well, like, I also, like, how did it feel for you guys? Like, if I remember correctly, your entire team was built, it was created of just, like, nobody there's, a, like, I guess, in the, the traditional terms, like, a professional runner. So, like, yeah. for a team like that, a team like that, you guys have all probably never met each other in person, like, just coming together, it's a pretty cool story. It's something that, like, I think... Uh, you don't see too often in other sports or other endeavors. And so like something like that is like totally cool. Yeah. It's, it's funny cause on put a lot of, uh, of promotion into the all women's team they had, which was also like a really, really cool team. Uh, they took like six women from six different countries that had never met before and like put them together on a team. But I do think that's a piece that like still does get overlooked about our team is that like, everyone on our team was from a different state and had never met each other before. And yeah, we're all not professional, right? Like the closest one of us is, is probably Zach who has like his tracksmith amateur thing going on and has been on like, you know, the, the USA teams before for the ultra distances. But yeah, all of us run because it's something that we genuinely enjoy doing and we love the community and everything that comes with it. So yeah, I, I definitely think that's that's something that, that gets overlooked is the fact that this team of six strangers who were united by nothing other than knowing David Kilgore in some facet, you know, were brought together and were able to pull off this thing that required like a ton of in-team communication, a ton of planning. Things could have gone so wrong. Some things did go wrong. We didn't even talk about, you know, speeding down the highway in an rv because we had gone like 30 miles too far ahead and like you can you can read about that in the in the race report if you want but yeah all sorts of crazy stuff like that um yeah and it all just somehow worked and we were all able to come together and do something incredible any uh <laughs> any moments in general good moments or even like uh key pieces that you want to highlight for people outside of you and Zach that just like, wow, they like, they put like, they put it all out there or like they did something crazy. Yeah. So in the, uh, in the post-race interview, um, I made sure that like, you know, we, we had a highlight for everyone cause it really was a full, full team effort. Like every single person had something incredible that they brought to the table. Uh, Sam Monoclair, Oh, and everyone's going to be at Grandma's, too, so we're having a big reunion at Grandma's. Yeah, every single person on our team is going to be there. So, yeah, Sam Monoclair uh, absolutely, like, blew us out of the water. Dude was always willing to go, like, another mile, take another leg. I mean, he did so much work on that downhill along with Zach at the very end of Powerline um, and just, like, never once looked like he was really, like, struggling like held it together great was just a super gnarly gritty guy out there like could take anything you threw at him no problem um the last male runner colton took a ton of climbing along with zach um he also took the probably most difficult section of the race which is this one stretch that has to be run pretty much by a single runner uh, because it's not really possible for even the four-wheel drive vehicle to follow you on this stretch and there's a couple of like weird turns where you could potentially get lost but colton similar to me like took his phone out put it, the route into his phone and made sure that he got it done and he did it like 
crazy. They did it like six flat pace, even though it was like technical trails with like 800 feet of climbing or something like that. Uh, and yeah, he was the only one who never really had a true break until like the very, very end because of that one section. So like from 4 a.m. to, you know, 6 a.m. the next day, like dude didn't sleep at all like didn't rest for a moment was always either running or in one of the cars uh, never got to like lie down on the rv couch or bed or whatever um and then maria and kaylee you know we we weren't entirely sure like you know what paces we should expect them to run or like anything like that and they just completely blew any expectation we had for them completely out of the water like they were running some of their legs at sub six minute pace average which was like as fast as we were running some of our legs. Um, and similarly, like, you know, towards the end, stepped up, took legs whenever, uh, and yeah, just absolutely killed it. So uh, yeah, everyone just did an incredible, incredible job. Damn. Now, real quick, uh, you guys win, you guys celebrate, but there's a, there's, how's the after party? <laughs> it was yeah it was pretty cool they they we we stayed at the Wynn hotel in las vegas and uh it's nice too because some people showed up to the after party having only like finished the race you know like five hours before because we were the first place team we finished like 29 hours some of the teams were taking like close to double that so yeah we we got to like actually get a you know a nap dinner and then a full night of sleep and then have the after party the next morning um but yeah, it was cool. It was at like the winds pool area with Diplo playing and they gave us these wristbands so that we could go to like the like backstage area. And yeah, it was it was it was super cool. Got to see all the people from the teams there. I knew a ton of people on some of the other teams. Uh, and yeah, it was all just good vibes there. And it was, it was just really, really fun. Yeah, I saw the pictures out from that. And then you see Kilgore. Did he run the entire thing and he ran, or he ran most of it, didn't he? He, he made it like halfway or so before finally succumbing to a foot injury that he technically had a little bit of before the race, but was like, yeah, I'm a little injured, might as well run 300 miles in a row on it, right? Like, that's what you do when you're not feeling your best, if you're David Kilgore. Uh, so yeah, he, he made it like about halfway, I think, and then his team finished up the race for him. So he was still there. It was awesome to see him. I, I love every opportunity that I get to hang out with that guy he is just like he deserves every good thing that comes to him he is just the man it was insane to see him looking like he had not done anything it was just like just chilling and partying with everybody i was like this is wild man <laughs> it's like I, I go ahead and do a 50k and i'm like laying down on the concrete <laughs> yeah i know he's he's a machine well, post of that, you go ahead and you win uh you win the Glass City half and uh you did that as kind of it wasn't all out comparatively, like compared to what you've done before. So how what was your was what was yeah. your uh strategy for that? I yeah, I <laughs> I look back on that and I was just like my travel plans for that were just like so not what they should have been. Like I had, I, 
I didn't want to have to take another day off of work because I had already taken a bunch of days off for work for races already. And it wasn't like I didn't have the PTO like available. I was just being dumb and like felt bad about it, even though it totally like made me super exhausted because the so the flight out, I flew out the like the day before the race and my flight was at like 6 a.m. So I had to get up at like four um, to take that flight. I flew into Detroit and then took a bus from Detro Detroit to Ann Arbor to stay with Zach. Um, and then on race day, I had to wake up at 4 a.m. again. But this time it's 4 a.m. Eastern time and I'm coming from mountain time. So it was like I was getting up at 2 a.m. mountain time the day after I had gotten up at 4 a.m. mountain time and then go and run a race. And yeah, I'd been coming off of like a big block of training. So I knew it wasn't going to be like the absolute best I could run. But like, yeah, you, you, so you add in two, two days in a row having to wake up early, one day having to wake up even earlier than the previous one, big block of training. And then it was like hot and humid for the race too. Um, and I didn't really have anyone to push me past like seven miles. So yeah, I just kind of like, I just kind of ran it in for the win. Um, and it was, it was, it was still a good time, but I just think back on how tired I felt just like standing on the line. I was, I was like barely awake for the start of that race. And I had like 200 milligrams of caffeine in my system too. Like I had, I had like caffeine roaring through my system and I was still like eyelids drooping. Yeah, we could see you had a lot of fun at the end of the race when we said when you passed us and I was like, oh shoot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we proceeded to uh Yeah, I, I still had some energy. I was just so tired. I was just so tired. Yeah, and then you know that that like two hours after the race I took like a two and a half hour nap. Like I I needed to like conk out again. <laughs> And of course, we just popped a lot of bottles and had a great time with some Chipotle catering. Oh, of course. But I, yeah, I needed that nap to be able to make it through that. I just, <laughs> I was so tired, man. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have more time to adjust time zones. And I'm only going over one time zone for grandmas too. It's central time. Um, and be better heat, heat acclimated. We'll be tapered and ready. And the start time's only at like 7.40, so don't even have to wake up that early for it. Uh, that gives me a lot more time if, I, if I'm making the drive out. So, <laughs> uh, as far as... Yes, it does. You and, you and, you and Mr. Coach Walk. Yeah, we'll figure out the uh, the schedule for that. But I'd say, uh, so you uh, now, uh, block's over. This is the end of, this is the, the week coming into the race. How are you feeling? Uh, you have... Uh, any kind of like uh just how's the last couple of weeks gone for you and uh even coming into grandma's how are you feeling for it so last <laughs> I'll, I'll just 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 to preface this last last summer when i moved out here to colorado my school year ended i believe on june 25th and then i started driving out the next day on june 26th and then my job started at the end of july so it was like less than a month of summer break that I had. Um, but because the school year started the first week of August, my job ended for me about like two and a half weeks ago. So I, I ended my work and got my two, two month summer break right at like the end of May, like last week of May. 
So I've just the past two and a half weeks been able to focus solely on training, recovery, doing all of the little things and whatnot. And so I'm just feeling so good and ready for this race. Whereas, you know, CIM, I had been working for four months straight in a completely new environment and I was headed towards my break instead of coming off of it. So I'm really, really excited with, with how I'm feeling. Um, and yeah, I just want to, I just want to be on that start line. I'm ready to go. Awesome. Awesome. And Zach, what is your game plan for grandmas? Game plan for grandmas is to run smart and safe. Um, right with Alex at least through half 68.30 to 68.50 would be happy with with me I'm pretty sure 68.30 will be pretty comfortable I did it a week ago done it twice in the last six weeks Um, and then from there just be strong and be patient Um, I'm not planning on making any bold moves Um, the standard means a lot to me to be able to um, take some of that weight off um, I know I'm in the shape, just need to be confident, use my dad's strength, um, because uh, kind of like Alex, I would like to take a moonshot sometime in the future when I have this the standard down. If, if I can run 217XX, then sometime next fall, maybe I can go out in 6630 or 67 flat and see where that takes me. Um, but I, I can't do that until I've run under 218. Um, so just a nice... Textbook marathon is what I'm looking for this weekend. We're looking for some nice 513 to 516 miles. Anywhere in that range will be good with us. But I'm sure there's going to be a pretty big crew with you. So um, let's hope that uh, people end up not getting too antsy like they did at Sim. But regardless, we've seen it before. Zach has a, Zach has a pretty, uh, pretty confident, pretty controlled uh, head on his shoulders when he comes to uh, – to qualify for the trials. So really excited to see how, yep. um, how he navigates through grandma's and uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of celebrations following it too. So um, we had some questions yeah, over yeah. for Zach and it will sure we're going to be able to answer them in the post race. Uh, it's going to be talking about more of a, the parenting side of things. Cause we had some questions on that um, and shout out to Meg. Cause she said, uh, she sent in a question too. So uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I think you have uh, some dad duties to work to, to do right now. So we'll talk to you later. And uh, yeah, if you want to follow Zach's, follow him at, um, where can they follow you, Zach? At Zach Ronellis, uh, Z-A-C-H-O-R-N-E-L-A-S on Instagram. Although I mostly post um, at Mr. O Runs. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, get some rest. You have a fun week ahead of you. And uh, who knows, maybe I'll make the drive up too. <laughs> All right. See you, man. See you, guys. And we're super pumped to be cheering you on. See a bib number from you guys ahead of time, and we'll happily post it on the on the chat because uh, we're all cheering you guys on. You guys were some of our most fun people that we've had on the podcast, and also you guys are some of my favorite people. So um, super pumped to see how Absolutely. you guys do, and uh, I'm sure we have a ton of people cheering for you as well. So um, as far as the bib number, as soon as I get it on Thursday, don't you worry. <laughs> There we go. There we go. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what the uh, the post-race beer celebration is going to be for you guys. Because uh, like normal people, they have they have the marathon on a Saturday. Like, thank, thank God. I know, right? And I, don't, and I don't fly out until 
Monday. So I'm actually, I'm going to be st- still staying at the Elite Hotel Saturday night, and then Sunday, like at midday or mid-morning, I'll, I'll take a bus back to Minneapolis because I have a friend I'm going to stay with there. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good time. There we go. Well, it's been a fun block, and it's been a fun block following you. And, uh, yeah, any, any kind of uh, last-minute shout-outs uh, you want to give out? Just to, you know, Mr. Coach Ben Walk, he, he just, he's coming off of an amazing season, uh, track season at Oberlin. Um, he, he's done such a great job with my training. I mean, I guess we'll really see if he's done such a great job, uh, you know, at, at Grandma's, but I feel like he's done a great job. And uh, I can just, I can never understate um, or never overstate how much of an impact he's had. Uh, not only on my running, but just on my life in general. He is an amazing uh, person, and uh, I, I'm so fortunate to have him as my coach. I got a chance to be able to see uh, Coach Walk in action at D3 Nets. And, uh, and two things, when you have uh, when you have a hapt athlete that ends up PRing multiple times at the National League, you know you're doing something right there. But also yeah. getting to watch him uh, talk track. At every distance was super, super cool. Guys, super knowledgeable. Uh, definitely something I want to have on. And it looks like it's. It seems to be more and more that it might. It might be more of a a, a Suni G kind of pod because like more and more Suni G people have been wanting to interview. Uh, and it's also one thing that you realize when you go to the D three national meet is uh, it's all Suni G. Always has been. It's they're always, everywhere. You guys are everywhere. Has been. We are everywhere. I forget who who was it. There was someone else who was saying that to me uh, the other day. It was like some someone in Colorado was like, was like, dude, I don't know what it is or like how it works, but like this this little college in New York that like no this D three running college that like no one knows about just like always shows up at like every D three event, and then like people from your school are just everywhere. And they're all so vocal about how much they love that school. I'm like, dude, it's just you, you got to meet us to understand, man. Like we we love us. That's like literally one of our primary slogans. We love us. So, yeah, I, I yeah, I <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Suny G always has been. It, it was an awesome time getting to know all your uh, like a lot of your teammates there and uh yeah it was it was a i mean i would say too just kind of a side kind of side of thing like i went to d3 and d2 nets i went to d3 nets on uh, thursday to watch the 10k and watch our guy run the 10k uh shots at the tk for making first guy in, in our school's history to make the 10k and move up actually with slotted like 20th and or 18th and got 14th great job as a freshman but like there's a different kind of like atmosphere that it comes with D3 running that you don't get anywhere else. Like D3 Nats was so different than D2 Nats. D3 Nats kind of had that like, you know, like that kind of spectator, like that people were just happy there for the sport. Like it's like so into the sport itself. Whereas like when I went to D2 Nats and not not to knock on it, um, it was great. There was a lot of really fast performances out there. I think I saw the D3 or D2 uh, championship record in the steeple and that was pretty cool but like it felt more like professional i guess jockey like they're there to like it's business whereas like d3 you had that atmosphere but it was very much like that we're here for the sport 
and it was like really much felt more grassroots and it was pretty awesome i had a lot more fun to be honest at d3 nets we're a, we're a more fun crowd what can i say <laughs> well buddy as far as as far as that where can they follow you just, you know, hit, hit me up, alexander.burks, A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R.B-U-R-K-S uh, on Instagram. Follow me on the, the Strava. I, like, almost give life updates more often on Strava than I do on Instagram. I'm, I'm not a, a, a socials person, but, you know, if you want to ask me anything, DM me on Instagram. I've responded to pretty much everyone who isn't a spam bot, so... Yeah, I think that's really under understated as far as how good your Sprava is. I did I did the uh, the notifications for you and Zach uh, for the speed project, and it's so stayed on because it's just hilarious what kind of comments or content that you have for Strava. I, very very I, good, very good Strava follow. I I try I try very hard with my Strava. Like it 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 does not come naturally. I I sometimes spend the last couple of miles on my run thinking about what I'm going to title my Strava run. So you know, I'm I'm no I'm no hero. That's for sure. I do think that there's more people than 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 that like to admit that do the same because I do the same thing about captions with friends, and I'm like, yep, that's gonna be a caption for today, or what kind of oh, dog yeah. am I gonna use today? So yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, you can follow me at Beers and Miles. Uh, uh, at beersandmiles.com um, yeah so uh yeah i put out a new um i put out a new blog post a couple weeks ago so if you guys want to read up on how boston went i have something about that already and i also been working on something else too so uh be sure to uh give us a follow there if you have any questions for me you should see me at com. uh it's beers i oh, know actually at beersandmiles at gmail dot com. Fusion miles at gmail.com. Uh, thanks so much for listening guys and I'll talk to you soon.